You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey there, everybody. How you doing today? I just want to take a couple minutes to tell you about Sinusoid, because the Soid boys are some really funny human beings. I'm really looking forward to heading up to the shop today. Oh, Anthony just texted me. Hi, Anthony. I'll text you back after I get done recording this spot. Um, I'm going to head up to Seattle, well, technically Linwood, and go hang out with those guys. So we'll probably do some sort of podcasting, maybe live streaming, something. But if you're new to the show, which we've got a lot of new listeners lately, thank you for telling your friends, Sinusoid makes the best guitar cables. Actually, instrument cables. Actually, just all kinds of cables. They make all sorts of cables. You need mic cables, they got that. You need speaker cables, they got the Sasquatch. This big old beefy beast of a speaker cable. It's so, it's like a, it's a treat to just plug that thing in because you feel like you're, you're really holding a serious piece of equipment when you uh, mess with that thing. But you, you are, actually. So, there's that. But, yeah, go to sinusoid.com, check out all their wares, hit up the guys, and, and just... You know, treat yourself to the best cables on the market with the hundred-year warranty and some of the best guys in the business. Sinusoid.com for all your cable needs. I also want to talk to you about Gun Street Wiring Shop. Local guys to me out of Bend, Oregon. I've said that I think every time. I don't know why that's so important to me, but it is. I just I love that town. That's probably why. But they make these excellent wiring harnesses for your guitars. They've been Gibson guys for a long time. They're getting into the Fender market, making those uh, extra complicated Jazzmaster harnesses and things like that. So check them out for any of your wiring harness needs. They can hook you up. They've got Les Paul treble bleed stuff, vintage 50s wiring, modern quote-unquote wiring. They've got anything that you could need. It's assembled with extreme attention to detail. Um... I talked to Sean at length about how many times he will go and create a harness to make sure it is 100% looking and performing its best. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com, check them out, and give your guitar the upgrade that it so very much deserves. Everyone, welcome back to the ToneMob.com podcast. I am your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today I have David Johnson of Scale Model Guitars. And this one is a little different. I'm sitting here in his shop in Nashville, Tennessee, looking at all the wonderful stuff he has, and we're just gazing longingly into each other's eyes while I just I just threw the phone <laughs> up in the middle of the room, and we're going to... He's got a lot of interesting projects that's going on right now that I wanted to talk to him about, but... Uh, we, uh, we just, we'd been talking and we thought, hey, it'd be good to get together and just do a little chat for you folks. And so, here we are. How's it going, Dave? Good. Thanks for having me, Blake. Yeah. Well, it's almost like you're having me, though, because I'm at your residence. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I have, I, we kind of have a little bit of a funny story about how we got hooked up, because... We met mm, probably a year and a half ago or so, briefly, or maybe not quite then. Whenever we met at we met at Carter Vintage last time I was in town, and, uh, and then I kind of we kind of forgot about each other or something. And then I stumbled across your post uh, on Instagram, which kind of led me to you know why we're here today about yeah you're rebuilding a guy's guitar whose grandpa uh, built it in prison in the '60s, and I called you and. You know, here we are, and then we realized we'd already talked before. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> I vaguely recall that. It was like a year and a half ago. Yeah, it was yeah. like, a, I was a real brief thing. It was a weird, a weird deal, but I'm glad we got reconnected, and here we are. Yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> so maybe we best should start out with uh, who you are, kind of what you do for any of the listeners who don't know. Like your, I always like to tell people to go into their, their musical backstory, and, uh, and then kind of how it led to what you're what you're doing now. Oh, absolutely. I'm, uh, well, my name is uh, Dave Johnson. Uh, I own a company in Nashville, Tennessee called Scale Model Guitars. Um, and I do uh, repair work and custom building and 
kind of what I'm up to. But I've been living in Nashville since uh, about 2008. Um, I mean, my wife and I, we moved here from Chicago uh, okay. around then. So we've been in Nashville a little bit, um, about like 10 years now. And uh, it's a great city, really fun, really great music scene. But uh, I also work at uh, Carter Vintage Guitars, which is on 8th Avenue. And uh, I'm over there like a couple days a week just doing uh, repair work. And uh, yeah, man, when I first moved to town, I got a, uh, I worked at uh, Gruen Guitars from like 09 until like 14, somewhere okay. in there. And uh, yeah, when Walter and Christy opened the new store, I just kind of moseyed on over and started, started, <laughs> started working for them. At the time, I wanted to go down to part-time to focus more of my attention on my custom builds. Mm -hmm. So it was a good fit for me at the time because I, I like working on vintage guitars as well. So um, yeah, that's where I am now. But I get to meet a lot of interesting people uh, <laughs> working sure. at the shop over there. Yeah. And that's how the prison guitar came to be. So <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's go back a little bit even further than that. I'm looking around your shop here and you've got, you know, uh, Fugazi posters, Russian circles. Oh yeah, some, dude. Some Are there other any stuff. other bands you need to know about? It? <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, what uh, when you like when you were a kid? What did you start listening to? How did, you don't just kind of magically start building guitars one day. So how did that all uh, Man, come to be? I'm not gonna lie. When I was like younger, I was super into like hardcore and metal and like you know like really more aggressive music, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I mean, when was it? It would have been around. 95 or so, I went and saw uh, a band I'd never heard of called Fugazi. They mm -hmm. came through Peoria, Illinois, where I was living at the time. And, uh, man, I just, I, after that show, I, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> I, I, I literally went home and I pretty much shelved my collection of, like, metal records. Like, you know. Really? Yeah, Megadeth got put on the shelf indefinitely. So I, then I got into, um, you know, like, like, obviously Fugazi, like, you know, Minor Threat. Mm -hmm. Like bad brains, like like more like independent DIY bands at the time, you know. But the the thing I'd always admired about them was the fact that I, I was like, man, like anyone can do this. Like I can, you know, I can go and play music. I can go get into a, a van with a bunch of my buddies, and we can go on tour, and we can go play around and and have fun. Mm -hmm. And it was like, so since then, I mean, with that kind of upbringing and that 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 general like ethos, I kind of like transposed it to how I view my guitar company. So I kind of try to run my guitar business like as if like Ian MacKay owned a guitar shop. Like how would he run it? You know what I mean? Okay. So I'm very like word of mouth. Um, I network by going to shows. Um, I build guitars for my friends, you know. Um, and it's kind of, you know, one thing's led to another and I end up, you know, getting projects every once in a while that are that, uh, you know, have some notoriety. But I, I don't really view it that way. I just kind of do what I think is cool or fun, you right. know? And then just kind of let the job, like, take it where it goes, you know? Mm hmm So, but I probably spend about, man, I'd say, like, 80% of my time just doing repair work. Okay. Um, I, I'd say I'm a repairman first and a builder second, for sure. Like, I, I, I build a lot of guitars. I might build, like, you know, a good year for me is, like, 10 in a year. Okay. If I can do 10 guitars in a year, that's, like, breakneck speed, but... In that time, I've probably fixed, like, 2,000 guitars for just players, like, just around town and stuff. So Yeah, yeah this is the town for repair work, for sure. Oh, God, yeah. I, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of guys from around here, and, and it's, like, Portland has a pretty healthy music scene overall, right? But it's, like, it's not even, it doesn't even compare to what it is here, you know? It's just, like, you can't I, go, yeah. you know, every night somewhere somebody awesome is playing here right that's not necessarily like that in portland it's there's good shows and it's like a lot of bands and it's like i said it's healthy but it's not like nashville nashville's a whole other thing and a lot of people i think think of it as a straight up you know country town but it's one it's totally not like not anymore. oh not at all no, no. it's funny too because when i first moved here like 0809 i mean there were Man, there were maybe like thirty rock and roll bands in this whole town. Mm -hmm. You know, since then, I don't know what happened, man. But it's this. I I just think Nashville is a very easy city to live in, which which makes it which makes it cool. It used to be cheap too. I mean, I was paying. Used, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used to live over in East Nashville, which is kind of like the hip part of town now. Yeah. But I remember I mean, when I moved in, it was like seven hundred a month for a whole house. Just me and my wife were in there, and she she's you know, um, we have a band together. So at the time, we were touring a lot. 
So for us, it was like, oh, this is great. I just got to come up with 700 bucks a month and my bills and, you know. Yeah, that's not too I can, bad. I can play music, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's cool. But, I mean, for repair work, this it's a great city to be in. It's a lot better than Chicago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. There, there, there's kind of a, a lot of repair techs in Chicago trying to service, like, not enough people, you know. That that makes so. that makes sense. I mean, Chicago, there again, another like healthy music scene. But Nashville's, there's I don't think there's another, not that I know of, another city in the U.S. like this as far as what the music scene is here. I just oh yeah, I don't think it exists. New York City maybe is the close, and it's way bigger. You know, it's right. Big, so um, it's just a it's a really unique place to be, and it, it's a. It's like the one other place in the U.S. I could see myself other than where I'm at now. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's a fun city. It's getting a little more expensive now, but... Yeah. I mean, if you want to work, if you want to, like, you know, have a gig in the music industry, it's mm-hmm. a great city to be out of. I mean, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's cool. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's do talk about, so how did you start repairing instruments? Was it out of necessity or was it interest? Um, in the beginning, it was out of necessity because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, a high school kid. I don't have any money to get my guitars like you know set up or worked on or anything. So I just kind of like, I remember buying a like a book on like how to set up your guitar, or, like you know, like mm-hmm. the guitar and amp maintenance book. And I kind of just started like doing that for like my like myself and my friends. And then I went to Eastern Illinois and to get my degree in econ. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, I had a summer job working in a music store. Okay. And uh, they had a tech there who just did, like, setups and, you know, like, cutting nuts and saddles. Like, this is basic stuff, you know? And I was just kind of like, man, that's really cool, like, what you're doing. Like, you get paid to do this? It's like, oh, yeah, man, it's, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was like, like wow, I kind of want to do that, you know? So he taught me some, like, like pointers or whatever. This is, like, the total, like, summer, you know, college job, you know? So after I graduated, I worked in a bank for, like, a couple years. You know? Oh, okay. And I, and I hated it. I was like, dude, this job is no good for me. Like, I'm working in a cube and, like, you know, numbers all day. I was like, oh, man, this is not for me. Are you going you crazy? Know? Oh, I just, it paid great, but, man, I just hated what I was doing. It was just, it was miserable. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, my wife at the time was working for AMA, the American Medical Association. So okay. this isn't like, you know, downtown Chicago. So she made enough money to where we were cool. And, uh... So I just decided, hey, I'm going to go take an apprenticeship, and I'm going to, like, you know, go into the guitar thing more seriously. Cool. So, yeah, so that's flash forward. You know, I worked in a few shops around Chicago. When we moved to Nashville, you know, I got hired at Gruen probably within, like, six months of moving here. Okay. And then it was, like, I think that's where I really learned how to repair guitars, like, for real, you know. The level of guitars that that come through that shop, too, are, like it's another caliber of, of value you know like the instrument the instruments that that they see there uh they're almost unlike anywhere else in the world probably oh yeah as far as the level of vintage instruments that come through there and and you need to know what you're doing if you're gonna start <laughs> oh dude, absolutely yeah because there's like you know those are people's investments it's not just uh I mean, I, you know, coming from the punk scene, it, to me, like, a guitar is just a tool, you know? Like, I, I don't care if it's, like, a $50, like, Hondo or a, you know, a 58 Les Paul. I'm going to treat those guitars the same. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to get the same levels. Because, I mean, a $50 Hondo, to that kid, that might be, like, their main player. And it needs to work. And they, they're going on tour for a month. That's equally as important as a guitar that's valuable. That's true. And it's just going to sit in a glass case. It's, But... I guess the difference is you could literally like get in trouble if you you know but you need you need to know what you're doing when you're working on the high dollar stuff you know but I mean the other thing too is just living in Nashville I just simply work on a higher volume of guitars like I on a slow day I might work on five guitars and I'm doing that six days a week so I see thirty guitars a week no matter what that's that's when I'm slow All right you know <laughs> so you know. Multiply by 50, 52 weeks in a year, you've just, you've just worked, you've gotten your hands on a lot of guitars, and that is how you get really good. Just mm-hmm. more, you know, you just, just sheer volume. So I'm and, sure that that is kind of informed, you know, because you've probably seen just about everything under the sun. How does that inform your custom builds? Well, it's, I'm really trying to, like, fix mistakes and design flaws. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, but, like, 
you know, like, would you consider the Fender string tree a design flaw? Like, I, it kind of is. Yeah, you know? sort of. It's like, yes. It kind of is. It, it impedes, you know, straight string pull. Like, that, that, this is an example in a Fender. On a, you know, on a Gibson, it's got a, you know, you've got the angled headstock, which mm-hmm. is a, which is, was a truss rod channel running through it. That's a break point. Mm-hmm. That's why Gibson headstocks really? break. Really? Is that, is that what they Yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, would you call that a design flaw? I, I think I would, mm-hmm. you know? So... That's how when I, you know, now when I build a guitar, you know, maybe I'd do an angle, if I want to do an angled headstock, maybe I'd do one out of maple, and I'd make the, you know, I'd make my headstock thicker, and I wouldn't put a, a severe angle on the headstock. Right. I'd do whatever I can do to, to, to beef it up and true it up, to try to fix some of the design flaws that are out there. But, you know, doing repair work makes you a better builder like any any repairman would tell you repair woman you know Mm -hmm. would tell you that people who build or who do repair work end up building better guitars it's just a fact it's just the way it is probably the same goes for just about any can't talk profession (laughs) where the uh you know like a mechanic you know would probably you know, build a better hot rod, you know, at, oh, at, yeah. you know, cause he's like, I seen all these things break, you know, or, um, you know, just a general carpenter. I think that probably applies in a lot of different fields where you're fixing others mistakes or failures. It's like, well, that will lead you to not make them those same mistakes yourself. Hopefully. Oh, right. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I'll just, let's just use Dennis Fano as an example. I mean, I would call the Nova line his new line. Mm-hmm. I'd call that, uh, it's, pretty near perfection i mean that's like in terms of build quality and design i mean he did repair work for years and years before he ever built one guitar mm-hmm. you know i mean that's just, that's just dennis i mean that's just one example look at paul reed smith he was a road tech forever before he built anything that's true so these people like they know what they're doing but it all came from that that repair tech standpoint mm-hmm. i have seen people build guitars like right out of the gate and they're they're great but in my experience, and I'm not trying to make a blanket statement. I'm just saying that in my experience, right. people who have done repair work or road work or actual repair work end up building a better product mm-hmm. than people who have done none. You know, it makes right. sense, especially yeah, especially around here. It's always a unique, oh, yeah. a unique thing to go back to. It's, oh yeah. So, what was your first? Uh, what was your first? Custom or your first from scratch build? What what did you do there? What was what and what made you want to do it? Uh, man, I was just like, just I was just like a carpenter. Like I was just like, oh man, that could be really cool to. Because I'd only like worked on them. I never even I didn't even know how to build a guitar back then. This would have been like two thousand two thousand one, like back then. Oh okay. But it was a long time ago. I actually we were living in Chicago, and my my workshop was the it was like an A frame apartment, and we were on the top floor. And the landlord was like, I was like, hey, man, can I, like, use the, the A-frame above to, like, for, like, some, like, tools up there? He was like, oh, yeah, go for it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just, I had to lock all of my tools in this, like, chest, you know? <laughs> I lock it up every single night because the doors didn't have locks and I couldn't put them on there, you know, because oh, right. the landlord wouldn't let me. So, yeah, so it, it, it took me a long time to build them, but the first six guitars I built were in that attic above my apartment in oh, Chicago. Wow. No, no air conditioning, no heat. It was... It was tricky. Like I had to like bring sp- a space heater up there and turn it on and to work in that and then remove it when I was done. Mm-hmm. It was it was really like tricky, but so when I got my uh, I had a practice spot in Chicago right after that and I was able to like lay out all my tools and I, I got a lot quicker. Um, so that was cool. I built it like in my next twenty guitars was in that shop. Okay. And then when we moved to Nashville, I just moved all of it to here. So I've pretty much always had like. Like, for instance, right now I work at Carter's part-time, but I'm also at home part-time. Mm-hmm. So I can, you know, here where we are in my shop, I can make sawdust here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, but I can't really, I, I mean, they would, they'd probably shoot me if I started, like, you know, rounding a neck over at Carter's. I don't want to be doing that when it's, like, it's a lot of <laughs> sawdust, man, <laughs> you know? So I've always, that's, that's just kind of how I've always been. I try, I try to keep the building separate from the repair work. At my, you know, part-time job somewhere else. But it's a good networking opportunity, too. That's how I, you know, just to get out of the house and meet people, meet musicians. In addition to, like, just going to shows and just meeting people, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is easy to do here in Nashville, so. Yeah, that's true. And it's made even easier, I mean, like, with the internet. I mean, like, the internet has brought us together today, which is kind of a yeah. weird thing like, <laughs> to think about. Um, but it's a... Uh, it's just, uh, it's weird to think, like, how 
you know, I was thinking about this the other day with the doing the podcast and doing these other things. Like, the the podcast is is great, and uh, I love doing it. But you know, it doesn't it doesn't just bring in the money. That's not what's uh, that's not what's paying the bills. But what it did let me do is network with people, just like you're saying, and oh yeah, you know, yeah, get connected with people that needed some help with certain aspects of their companies, and that has allowed me to actually get into. The, you know, sort of the the music, you know, gear slash gear industry, full time, which has uh, been a new thing, and hopefully it keeps going. But it's uh, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it all comes back down to that. You know, it's like you need you need to know people, and not, not like to get a leg up or whatever, but just to you know, we help each other. That's oh yeah, it's like you know that that's what I loved about the punk scene when I first was introduced to it. Like they just like. The metal scene does that too. I don't want to slam them, but you know, but, <laughs> but man, this, this is whole like I got your back kind of mentality. Like to me, that is like it's all for the purpose of like promoting the art. Like that's just the best. That's the just the best part about it. You know, this is all like like the money aside. Like I don't even worry about money. Like I got repair work for that. Like mm-hmm. just for for creating guitars, I don't view it as a money source. I view it as a. It's like a serious hobby. Yeah, you know, or an art form. To- oh man, if it never makes a dime, I'm cool with that. As long as like you know. It's like, as long as my art is out there, like, getting played and, and being, you know, people are writing songs on guitars I've made, mm-hmm. that's, like, that's worth way more than any money I'd get paid. I mean, honestly, like, that's really what it's about, mm-hmm. you know? It's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it's, like, from there, who knows where that goes, right? Maybe that guitar inspired that person in that in that very specific way to create something that then resonated with somebody else. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. how many times do you hear, like, oh, that song to- actually saved my life. Like, I was almost to kill myself, and I heard that song I didn't want to. Like, yeah, that, Yeah, song, mm-hmm. man, music is deep. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it can it can do that, you know? It totally <laughs> <It's> like... can. <laughs> and, and that, you know, and then if that song, you know, it's a it's a weird, like, heavy subject sort of to get into, but if, if that guy hadn't been playing that Strat that day, or whatever the case may be, or that guitar that day. Uh-huh. Maybe that wouldn't have happened. Maybe that dude would have decided to jump off the bridge instead. You oh, know? right. It's kind of a crazy, <laughs> like, thing to think about, but it, it's, uh, I think music's really important, um, obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's the most important mm. thing, you know? And, like, man, I don't know, it's like, you know, we, we both have, like, kids, too. Mm-hmm. We're around, like, two and three years old, we were talking about this earlier, and it's like, man, it's, how cool is that going to be to, like, introduce... Like, I'm just so looking forward to the chance when my son is old enough to, like, you know, like play his first show. Like, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> I would be, like, encouraging, like, oh, this is awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. If he gets into guitars, he's in luck, dude. Yeah. I got him. <laughs> yeah. I, have a, uh, I have a very similar situation. I'm like, it's a weird well, deal. I'm trying not to be the... Uh, the musician equivalent of like the sports dad who's like, yeah, this is great. You're gonna yeah. play football because I like football. <laughs> it's like the hockey family, you know. And I'm kind of yeah. like, I'm turning into that with music. I'm like, yeah, guitars and stuff, and it's it's hilarious because I'll come in with a package and and he's like, oh, dad, you got a new pedal. I'm like, shh, I didn't need. Okay, announcer's <laughs> yeah. over. It's like, yeah, yeah. Your dad comes in with a box approximately this size, and he knows like there's a pedal in there, and he's like, let's go out and play it. Like, oh man! Yeah. yeah, and so we go out, and he he turns the knobs, and I strum, and and but like, I don't know. I I feel like it's probably gonna happen by osmosis. I don't want to force him into anything he doesn't care about. But you're right, right. I feel like he's already like going down that path, and and you know we and we were talking about music being powerful. Like we went to uh, um, we went to Third Man here while we were. Oh yeah, or, totally. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and uh, he's been singing. He's just he's just been singing a lot lately. Mom has been teaching him songs, and he'll sing them. And so, like my favorite like party trick for him to do is to like sing Blackbird, and he sing and he sings the first part of Blackbird. Like oh seriously? Yeah. Wait, how old is he? He's three, right? He's three. Yeah. Oh man. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if he's gonna actually have like a singing voice or not, but it's, he's a three year old, so it sounds adorable. And yeah, yeah. We went into that little <laughs> recording booth. Oh, you got to record it in and the, the Make Your Record booth? Yeah, we yeah. recorded it in there. And the girls that were that were working there were, were, you know, you bring it out and you test it to make sure it cut right. And oh, right, so you, you play the record. So you play yeah. it real fast before you leave. Um, and, like, this one girl was like, oh, my gosh. And she started crying and had to walk out of the room. Cause, oh, <laughs> that's, you know, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> and it was like, and then I got to thinking, I was like, I almost guarantee you 
this record, this you know, it's just a little moment in time, but like, I'm gonna listen to this someday and I'm gonna cry. Like, oh yeah, I'm yeah. I'm like sure, sure of it. Like I'm almost feeling it now, a little bit. Oh man, just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> just, just a little bit. But it's like it's a it's a weird thing. I don't know. Uh, but it's the experience of that. Like he might remember that, you know. And it's like oh, he might maybe. Yeah. I don't know. He just turned three, so I, I kind of doubt it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'll listen to it for sure. Um, oh totally, yeah. But it was a. Yeah, music's cool. <laughs> <laughs> very powerful. Very, very powerful. Yeah. I mean, dude, th- think about think about this prison guitar. That's what I was just about to say. Let's let's talk about that. Well, on to that point before we talk about the you know the, the techniques gu- of it, dude. Mm-hmm. Th- this guy building this guitar in prison. This is probably like what got him through that. You know. Yeah. Like just something. It's an example of like music getting you through a, a rough spot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's that is that's really cool, man. Yeah. Um, the well, let's we can get into the details on it, but just like the when we were we were kind of going over it before we started recording, and it was like the level of work that went into it. It's like it's a lot of work to build a guitar in a well set up shop like this, you know. So to do it in prison with a hacksaw, right, and have it turn out that good. I mean, that's impressive. That's super impressive. Right, right. Especially when he probably didn't know exactly what he was doing. Um, I don't know for sure, but... He actually, like... So, the funny thing is, I wish that the fretboard was still off the instrument. You could see how he made his neck joint. Mm Because it's like... It's called a mortise tenon joint. Mm -hmm. And he actually got it right. Like, the the neck joint on this thing... It's like it's legit. It's going to be sturdy. That was kind of the one thing on there. I was was really worried about it. Because his... His mistake on it, and I, it's not really a mistake, but I think that he was just using what he had on hand. Yeah. His biggest mistake was the use of cedar right. on a let's, steel string guitar. Before we get too far ahead on the details on it, let's go take a couple steps back. And who's, Whose guitar is this, and how did it come to you, and what are you, what are you doing with it? And then we can kind of get into some of the gory details. Um, his... So for, it for the listeners. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, so my buddy, his name is Billy Strings. Mm-hmm. He's a bluegrass musician here in Nashville. And he was at a show, and his uncle shows up with the guitar and uh, was like, hey, this belonged to your, your grandfather. And he he built this in prison in, the, in 1962. Um, and, I, and I guess Billy was just like, whoa. I, I, he told me... Well, he he gave it to him and was like, "Okay, now it's yours. Now you can do what you want with this," you know. Mm-hmm. And um, he 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 told me that he remembered it like in the it was in this like closet in his house or something like that. So he remembered it as a kid growing up, but it wasn't like his property, you know. So when he got it, he was like, "Oh man, I I have to get this restored. I we have to like make this work," you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine if your grandfather made something. It's like a time capsule, like oh, in man. the early '60s. And you now have it, you know? And it's like, okay, here you go. Because even if it would have ended up being a wall hanger, that'd be cool too, you know? Of but, course. But wouldn't it be cooler if you could, like, put strings on it and, like, play it, you know? Like, oh, yeah. make it like a for real thing, you know? So that's kind of uh, where I am with it. Man, I just, I'll be honest with you, I don't even know his name. I wanted to ask Billy. Like, like I don't know the backstory of him or, mm-hmm. you know, or, or really much about him, but it'd be kind of cool to know, like, what his story was, like what, you know, because when you're working on something like this, it's kind of neat to, to know that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, I'll find all the, all that out. I've been kind of like, you know, knee deep in the whole like restoration, trying to think, not in that headspace just yet. Right. right. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how to make this thing work, but it's going to be, it's going to be cool. I'm, I'm going to make it. It's totally going to work and it'll be cool. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We were going over a little bit, like I said beforehand, and I think, uh, I don't see anything. I'm not. I'm not an expert, but I don't see any glaring like. How can you possibly fix that? You know what I mean? It's all. Oh, yeah. It's all like no. That seems very doable. Everything's perfectly fixable on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally, man. I mean, his use of cedar is really the biggest mistake that he made. Mm-hmm. Other than that, he's cool. I mean, he also did not put a truss rod in the guitar. Right. So. No cedar, and and you know cedar has been used on nylon string like classical guitars, like as a neck material, right? Like for the you know forever, mm-hmm. you know. So you can you can get away with cedar. The problem is it's not very tough. Yeah, it's not a it's not strong enough to support steel string, you know, string tension. Mm-hmm. So I actually just kind of like uh, when I got it, the board was attached. Um, 
It had the inlays in there. The, the fretboard is off of a off of a Gibson. It's a Brazilian fret rosewood fretboard. Right. So I mean that's really cool. So it, I, so what I did is I just pulled the inlays out. I cooked off the board with a heat lamp mm -hmm. just to get the board off of there, just to expose like the bare, you know, wood and, and the neck material. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I actually just routed channels down there. I did I did two carbon fiber rods. They kind of run along the. Uh, Along the neck on the sides. Okay. Down like it's called the neck taper. It's how the neck goes skinny at the first fret, and then it gets fatter as you get to like the highest fret. Mm -hmm. So if you run them along the taper, keeping it about a quarter inch inside the edge of the neck, it be kind of it kind of becomes like a suspension bridge. It's like forcing the tension down the middle um, to a double action adjustable truss rod that I put down the middle. So that's metal. Got you it. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also beefed it up with a piece of. Uh, Quarter, or a quarter inch by, or excuse me, half inch by half inch maple. It's like hard rock maple down the middle. Yeah. So that that all those things will just beefen up this neck, you know, make it really tough. So it'll sound better too. Oh, right. So uh, the other thing he did is he, he made the headstock very thin. Um, yeah, that's it's, what? Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's <laughs> like we're going to have to figure out something with that. So a normal headstock thickness is one half inch, mm -hmm. if not like a sixteenth plus that. This one is three is right under three eighths. I'm got a ruler yeah, on it right that's, now. That's what I was eyeballing. Yeah, looking at it. I mean, dude, that's right over a quarter inch thick. Yeah, that's not gonna. It's uh, not gonna work, man. You put tuners on that. I mean, the headstock's just gonna bend and snap right off. It's right. not gonna work. It's, so. Especially now that the neck's not the weak point or a weak point anymore. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just you planning on skinning the back of it, right? That's the, the idea with some maple. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. Is I'm just gonna I'm gonna true up the back so it so it's even and level, and I'm just gonna tie on to the back of it with with uh, more maple, like quarter sawn maple, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna glue that under the back. So it's like putting a veneer under the back of the headstock to yeah. make to make up the missing space. Mm -hmm. And then the tuners, as they press, you know, out, you know, it's gonna. Um, well, I also did like a spine in the neck. And obviously you can't see it in the podcast, but I did a spine down the middle of the neck that protrudes out from the nut about two inches. Mm -hmm. So I could run dowels through that to that maple that I'm going to add to the back. So now it's sort of like a, it's like a whole nother like suspension bridge under the back of it. Yeah. That will support the tension. I just don't want him to get it home, start playing gigs on it. And then the neck, you know, the headstock snaps off. Right. <laughs> we do, we do repair work that lasts like forever. Yeah. So I want this to be like a workhorse. Plus, you know how the road is, man. Your guitars get knocked around. It might fall off a stand. I want it to make it. Yeah. And be cool. For sure. So, but once that's done, I mean, you're just essentially having pickups made and... Well, I haven't had that happen in a, in a while. Uh, we had an unfortunate thing. We were, we uh, had about probably 20 minutes of conversation that they decided, uh, the phone decided it was done. It had enough of our jibber-jabber, and it didn't want to talk to us anymore. So <laughs> we had to go back and figure out where we left off. Um, so we left off talking about uh, the pit guard on the prison guitar, and who knows? I don't even remember all the things we covered after that, but we're going to try to shoot from the hip and, and just go with the, you know, Play the play the hand that we've been dealt. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have a we're gonna try to remember. See how good our memory game is here. I'm pretty sure mine's not very good, so I hope yours is better. <laughs> so, but we we did talk about the pit guard a little bit. But what we don't know is if we talked about pickups. And if we did, sorry, you're gonna hear it again. Yeah. So. Well, that's okay. Yeah. I can give more information on the pickups. That's right. Too. Let's so, let's talk about what the plan is. Well, so. I think the, the last thing you're talking about is just how the guard was cut out, and it appears to be, I'm just guessing, but it looks like it's a Tesco, like a house brand guitar. Mm -hmm. So the pickups are like the, you know, the skinny, narrow, uh, like there's three of them, they would have three switches, like the on-off switches at the top, uh, volume tone, and an input jack, but see the thing is, I, I don't really want to use, I, I could probably try to source those pickups. Yeah. You know, rewind the bobbins and like make them a, a little bit better. Um, what what I, we were going to do is we're going to actually do like a blade system, so it's going to be like a like a Charlie Christian kind of look. Mm -hmm. You know, what I'm trying to shoot for on this project is I want the pickups to look like they were made in prison. You know, so okay. All I want right. the whole thing to be a little bit rough around the edge. So we like, didn't we didn't talk about that. So that's yeah, just, I got gotcha. you. So the idea, my buddy uh, Steve uh, is going to be making 
uh, pickups. He's a pickup maker in town. He does great work, man. Um, Steve Mather is his name. He teaches over at uh, Guitar Craft Academy. Um, and I teach this class over there a couple nights a week. And uh, he's like the main instructor over there. But man, his wines are just amazing. But we're going to actually make like all the flat work. Uh, you know, just essentially making making bobbins. We're gonna use the the bar magnet, so it's gonna be close to like a uh, like a Charlie Christian kind of vibe going on. So it'll be like three narrow uh, pickups. We'll we'll end up with basically like a like a strat kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So in, in positions two and four, he'll kind of have like the reverse wound, you know, like kind of the humbucker effect going on. Right. Um, I'm actually gonna make maple toppers that match the guard. I'm going to kind of beat them up and age them a little bit. Mm -hmm. So they'll they'll look like they intended to, you know, they were originally on the guitar back in the 60s, you know. That'll be cool. So, yeah, man. The, they're it's going to be really cool. The, the tailpiece, there's a giant like hole in the back of the guitar, and you can kind of see where there was like an area for a spring in it too. It was probably the tailpiece that he had on hand. And um, I'm not really sure what to do about that yet. I don't know if Billy wants a trim system. Or uh, maybe I can just make something up out of, like, steel. Um, just do, like, the six holes to the top. Like, I kind of want it to look rough. Like, I, like rough on purpose, you know? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it is a prison guitar. So. Yeah, I want it to look like it was made with, like, a file and a, and a coping saw. You right. You know, basically. Right. So if it ends up looking a little rough, that's fine. As long as it structurally plays right, it plays in tune and intonates and mm -hmm. has a neck that works and has good fretwork, it's going to be a great guitar. Mm -hmm. Should uh, should last, you know, years and years. I hope it becomes one of his main players, you know. That would be awesome. Yeah. I wonder I wonder what kind of... It clearly had some sort of trim system. It had to it have. It had to have. It's got a... It's not the same size as what you would think it would need to be. So maybe it was yeah. like one of those old house brand off you know off brand trim systems and that's why the hole is weird who knows i mean it's it's I, I know you can't see it on the podcast but the 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 cavity for this trim system looks like the 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 polar opposite of like a jazz master yes so it's it's got that like uh that chamfer like in the in the back instead of the front like how it would be in a jazz master like um so I'm not sure what to do. I can't really use a Jazzmaster trim on it. It doesn't have the depth that I need. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not really sure what to do. I might make like a steel plate and then mount the trim to that. Right, like um, a Bigsby or something? Yeah, I could like mount a Bigsby to it. Again, I don't really want to mess with any of his work. You know, I right. don't want to like... I, I have to drill two holes uh, because his intonation spot was off about a half inch. That's right. So, And I, I would like to try to use like a... You know, a Nashville or an ABR style bridge, you know, like something, maybe like a no wire trim, like something I can relic out of nickel, mm -hmm. you know, something that'll look kind of old. I definitely want to do a tunematic bridge on it, just so it, just so it, it's, it's a solid player that'll intonate right. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the tailpiece goes, I don't know. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do about that, but I'm just kind of like winging it as I go. I'm just kind of going, okay, well, I got the neck buttoned up, <laughs> so next up is the headstock. Once I get that done, then... Steve will make the pickups, and I'll just kind of look at it and say, "Okay, what do you want to do?" Right. You yeah, know? and some we'll, of it'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, some of it'll probably be up to what Billy wants too. So. Yeah, I'm probably gonna have to make tuners for it because the tuning holes are too far inside the headstock too. So, oh. Yeah, from the center of the post of the tuning peg mm -hmm. to the outside, like like uh, the outside of the headstock to the center of the post. I've got three quarters of an inch. That's a quarter of an inch too much. Right. So when I try to put a tuner in there, the button's gonna hit the, it's gonna <laughs> hit the back of the headstock. Right. So I think I'm gonna. I have a buddy that does uh, motorcycle builds motorcycles, mm -hmm. and I might have him like you know weld uh, longer posts onto a set of Clusens. Yeah. And then run some like different buttons or just to make it longer. I know that the uh, what was that the. The, the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. Who made that guitar? The Depinto one? No, it's not a Depinto. Uh -huh. Those things rule, by the way. But, uh... Oh, crap. I, f I forget who made them. But, um... Anyway, they have tuners that have a, a deeper hole spacing. Mm -hmm. Like, post spacing. I might do, like, a banjo tuner or, like, a Firebird. I, I'm not really sure what I want to do about that yet. I'll figure it out. The, the Firebird tuners are cool if you can get legit ones, but I've never seen... The off-brand, well, you probably know this better. I don't know why I'm telling you. I've never seen the off-brand ones work very well. Oh, the off-brand ones don't. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, uh, who makes them? I think it's like Pang or uh, Grover might make them still. It might Grover? even be Clusen. You can still buy them. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can find them. If you research it online, you'll find... You'll, they're, they're kind of expensive. They're like 150 a set or something. Yeah. The problem with the banjo-styled tuner is it's going to protrude on the back of the headstock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, the headstock, the neck is made of cedar. I just, <laughs> I'm just worried about that taking a hit from behind. Yeah. You know, headstocks on Firebirds love to snap because of that because the tuners are so heavy yeah, yeah they're heavy and they protrude out the back they mm-hmm. look so cool but man if it wasn't like if it was a mahogany neck or maple it'd be a different story mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know i'm gonna i'll figure something out i might be able to even make a tuner that looks like it was made in jail i mean that, that might even be cooler <laughs> that, you know that would as long as it works right and holds the tune so you said something i don't remember i don't think this was recorded earlier but um about the knobs and the har- and some of the hardware having to be smuggled in. At- oh yeah. yeah. So this is the co- so Billy told me so you couldn't bring knobs into prison because mm-hmm. that's like contraband. So his family they told me that they actually had to smuggle them in. They were like knobs off of like a like a G- like a Cadillac or something off the off the knobs off like a car stereo. Mm-hmm. So they smuggled them in the knobs. It's so for like cool. the volume and the tone. So Billy actually found. Um, the car, it was like an Oldsmobile or something from mm-hmm. the 60s. He actually found the knobs, like from a, like a 1960 Oldsmobile. Nice. Yeah, so we're, we're going to get those, throw those on there. Man, it's, I, his family actually, they think that they might have a picture of him playing the guitar. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're like digging through like shoeboxes full of like photos and stuff. If they can find that picture, that would be amazing. That would... Just to see what it looked like, you know? Like, what was his vision, you know? Yeah, what was he going for? Yeah. That's so... That's so cool. So... I I know. It's so cool, man. It's It's a cool story. It's one of the coolest projects I've seen in a long time. I love it. Yeah, man. It's like... I don't know. (laughs) It's it's really cool. Good times. Good times. Do you see the... I don't know, if you look at the Instagram picture, too, he did Bondo. There's, like, Bondo inside. Oh, I didn't notice that. Is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah, I, just, I don't know why he did this. He put the strap button on the top of the guitar, too, which is kind of odd. But I don't know, man. I mean, obviously, Billy will have some artistic freedom with it, I'm sure. Oh, but, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. It, but, it, it'll, it'll, I'm sure he'll want to preserve as much as possible, but he'll probably have a few tweaks. He, you know, he knows what he likes as far as how a guitar plays and whatnot, so. Yeah, well, the hope is it'll use it, you know. Like, yeah. Like, get to play it. I'm sure he wants to do that, too, so... I mean, yeah. he's probably chomping at the bit for this thing. I bet oh, he likes I know. <laughs> I am too, man. I want to see what we end up with too. It's like art, you know. Oh, it's one hundred percent art. It's it's, yeah. it's it's its own. I think all of this stuff is, um, it, to me, it's 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 a creative process. I mean, it and the final product, like who knows, you know, what it, who like we've talked about it before. Like who knows what it could be, yeah, and what it could inspire when it's all done, um, and that's what good art does so oh, yeah I, I think the coolest part about the story is that you know his grandfather only built one guitar and this was it mm-hmm. so it's like only one of these exists his style was pretty cool man i mean if you look at the body just this his design was was on there oh it was cool it's very cool very unique you know even today out of all the thousands of designs that are out there i i've not seen this this, this before I and know. it's hard to do that and make it cool you oh, know, I know. There's, yeah. It's easy to make a guitar body that no one's seen before, but it's oh, hard absolutely. to it's hard to make it look cool. <laughs> this, the ergonomic guys are like, you know, they make it like the guitars that are like comfortable to play, but they look weird. Yeah, it's like, man, who the the one guy loves that millimetric? Have you seen his stuff? Oh yeah. God, that stuff is cool. Man. Oh yeah. He does like the ergonomic, I, but it looks really cool. I, I've got a baritone that he did. Oh seriously? Yeah. It's, you like it? I've I never love played it. on one. Oh, I love it. It's oh, so man. awesome. Yeah, he 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 built it for me um, last year. I think it was last year. Yeah, and I think it was his first baritone. Oh really? Yeah. So I I I contacted him, said I wanted to get one, and um, I took the listeners kind of know this, but I took the. Uh, Adam from Satellite Amps told me like when he has guys build him stuff he just says yeah build me a guitar and they're like, oh really they're like what do you want yeah, I, I don't know build you build what you think I'm gonna want and, no kidding and so for this one I didn't I I did the kind of the polar opposite of that with my Roni I just kind of spec'd everything for the most part and spent a lot of time with Paul figuring out what I 
what I wanted. And I love that guitar. It's exactly what I wanted. But, wow, that's uh, cool, man. But with the millimetric, um, I told him, I like this body shape, and I'd like a, you know, I'd like it to be a baritone. Um, I think we might have talked about the scale length a little bit. And I said, other than that, it surprised me with the pickups and the color and everything else, basically. And so it, that was a really interesting process, doing it that way, because it was... I got a feeling like I hadn't had in a while when it was coming. It was like, I felt like... What is this going to be? It was like, like a, it was literally like a, a throwback to Christmas Day as a kid. Cause oh, it was like, yeah, cause, yeah. Because, like, I didn't know what it was going to be. I had yeah. no idea. And so when we got it, it was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. It was, like, <laughs> super exciting. Yeah. yeah. It was, so, like, if anybody can do that, like, it's hard to do. It's hard to, like, if you get in a custom guitar, you would think you'd want to tell them everything like I want this I want that um but as a consumer like actually doing that is is more fun if you trust the builder oh right, uh, right. um and 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 I, I'd already played Florian's guitars before at uh, last year's Fear the Riff and and so I knew like it was going to be good but um actually I hadn't played it before I ordered it but everyone that had one was really I never heard anything bad about them you can tell uh, the quality is good it's really you know? good um, God, those the people I've been following lately. Have you been following a Jersey Girl? No, but I've heard that name before. Yeah, it's Jer- Jersey Girl. It's like JG. I have to look up the the name. It's Jersey Girl Guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, man, these designs are incredible. Really cool. I should I should look that up really quick while we're talking. Is <laughs> yeah. it the stuff is like I I don't know them. Mm-hmm. I'm not a paid endorsee. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's like hang on. Yeah. Okay, it's JGHG Days. Okay. Jersey Girl Homemade Guitars. Okay. The stuff is just like, it's like next level. I've oh, never no, I ha- seen anything I have like seen, it. I have seen those before. I forgot about that. They're incredible. They did this double neck. It was like this mandolin 12 string. Mm-hmm. It's just, just ridiculously yeah. nice You work. can tell like uh, everything that, that's on there is it's not off the shelf. Oh, it, I know. It's all it's all made, and that's actually that's the same way with the millimetric stuff. He makes like the hardware and he probably the, doesn't make his tuners, and, but that's I like think, it. I think the that's tuners it. And the pots, the, the tuners know? and the pots themselves, and but the knobs he does, I think, and uh, I See, know that's the, cool. the pit guard and the bridge he does too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> really cool. See, I I know that I've made pickups before. Mm-hmm. I just don't really enjoy doing it. Like, I, I like the woodworking aspects of making a guitar. Mm-hmm. So I'll just kind of turn to people to do, like, the pickups. Like, people I know are good. It's uh, it's one of those weird things where, like, I do appreciate when somebody does all the work like that. But at the same time, um, for me, it's when I'm kind of this way with, like, the pedal projects that I've done. Like, I, I don't build stuff. I'm not a good builder of effects or guitars or anything so if I do things it's like why don't I just get the guys that really know what they're doing and have and try to work with them on it like oh, I yeah. think it's going to be better if like I'm the weird idea guy I can do that all day right. like come, like but you know it, it, there's guys are experts in things like you're experts at what you do like I wouldn't you know like if I was to try to fix or build a guitar it wouldn't turn out like what will you do even oh, right, right. <laughs> it would be very bad well it's all about you know like how often do you do it mm-hmm. like you know it's all about experience and just you know mm-hmm. but i mean I, I i'm not very good at design i'm not good at designing guitars mm-hmm. but i'm really good at making other people's ideas come to life right so you know like i've if you go through like my instagram page none of none of those ideas are my ideas i'm just like everything i build is a one-off so I'm just, oh, okay. I, I might have to like make a template just to like to do something like one time and never use it again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, it's like it's more fun for me. I man, I don't think I could ever be in production. Like, just I'd get bored. I just uh, you know, my think... mind wanders into other things. I, I want to <laughs> do something different. Like, I have so I have so much respect for guys like 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 Fano. It's like man, he can like sit there and like crank out that one design mm-hmm. and change it up over and over and like do it well. But you know, I dude, I would get bored so quick with that. Be like, you, you know. So you don't, you don't ever see there being, you know, like a scale model guitars, you know, X Y Z model. It's always going to be a kind of a custom situation every time. Man, probably. Mm-hmm. I just kind of like, I enjoy just bringing other people's ideas to life. I could, I just don't ever see myself being in production. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, maybe I don't know. I don't want to ever, you know, 
never say never, but yeah, I don't know. I just kind of have more fun like flying solo and just making you know other people's you know ideas reality. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more fun for me because yeah. it's a challenge. You know, just like the repair work is a challenge. It so. it is, and it takes a different thing. Like like I said, the does. Designing a new guitar body shape is... It's really hard. It's so hard. I know. <laughs> well, it's like... And I, I wouldn't say, like, don't do something because it's, you know... Because it's difficult to do. It's just... I just know that... I mean, I would just pine over it. I'd be like, oh, my God. This has to be, in, like, perfect, you know? And it's... I don't know. I just think, like... It's kind of cool to make, you know, the, the technical makeup of a guitar. Like, make the scale length of this Fender work on this, you know... Mm-hmm. On this Gibson or something, or you know, just something like that, you know. Just, I don't know, more of a problem solving. Right, I gotcha. Uh, coming from that place, that makes sense. What's the weirdest problem you've had to solve with repair work? Oh, with repair work? Yeah. Oh man. I, I mean, this know. prison guitar is pretty weird, but it's it's like I I, I said probably pre the phone failing. Uh, it's not anything I can't see being manageable by somebody who knows what they're doing. But has there been stuff oh, yeah. that showed up? You're like I throw it in the garbage like you can't do anything with this well you run into like yeah mm-hmm. i mean that that happens a lot you know i don't want to sit here like sit here saying oh i'm just like the you know the grand the grand master no i'm not, that's that's the thing about repair work is you can't really like master it mm-hmm. you know you can only get better mm-hmm. so whenever you hear anyone call themselves like oh but expert repairman oh yeah whatever dude like you're not an expert you know <laughs> i learn new things every single day mm-hmm. but you can get a lot better at it um but I don't know. I mean, I get I get thrown. I mean, what what hangs me up a lot is just like the you know the cost of it. Right. You know, is a guitar totaled? You know, if your your one hundred and fifty dollar Yamaha acoustic that needs a neck reset, do you really want to pay twelve hundred dollars to do the neck set refret, bridge glue, mm-hmm. cut a new guard on like a hundred and fifty dollar guitar? It's like in the auto world they call that a total. Right. You know, so it's like. <laughs> Sometimes a guitar is totaled and it should be used for a wall hanger or something else. It's just the reality of it. I never tell anyone no, though. If it's a sentimental project, mm-hmm. if it's a $150 Yamaha and it was like owned by their like grandfather and it's like in their family forever, I will always say yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you did, I wouldn't expect any repair tech to make it cheaper. You know what I mean? Because it's right. still a function of time. It is. But... You know, people are usually pretty cool about that, but I feel I, like I feel like most people would understand that though. Oh yeah, I mean, there's a way to fix anything. Um, I've seen some headstock breaks that are like too far gone, but I can always just cut a new neck. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not that hard to cut a dovetail and round it. You know, roll the neck and cut a headstock. I mean, I made a hundred guitars. You know, I can, <laughs> I can make an acoustic neck. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna take me twenty hours to do that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's it's a function of time. Yeah. So sometimes it's like breaking bad news to people. It's like sometimes it can't be done. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like chunks of wood missing out of a headstock taper. Right. You know, like it's like, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to graft into that, man. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We can bondo that for you. Yeah, just bondo the whole thing back together. <laughs> Have you ever seen anything that you were like, how did, how did this happen? Like, oh, like a bad one. Like, like yeah, well, bad or just weird, like. What do you mean you broke the horn off of your SG or you know oh, so, yeah. Yeah, like Oh man, we had a gnarly one like this is about two or three months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what a CF one hundred is? Mm, no, so I don't. It's a Gibson guitar. They made them in the sixties. Like I think maybe the fifties too, I can't remember off the top of my head. But um so it's basically a cutaway. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's like imagine a J one sixty. Like the John Lennon style guitar. Yeah. It's got the pickup, like the P90, Mm -hmm. but it's got a cutaway too. It's called a CF100. It's super rare guitar. So this guy just got a neck reset done on this. It was in another shop. Um, Reglued the bridge, refretted it. Guitar was done. He had it in the case. He accidentally left it behind his car and ran it over. Oh, no. And crushed the body of the guitar. He just had all this work done. And we were just like, oh, no, you did not. Like, it was it was bad. Mm-hmm. Dude, this, it needs to have all new sides bent. It's bad. Oh, man. I felt so bad for the guy. I was like, oh, my God, no. I mean, God, this is heartbreaking to see something like that. But I don't know. Just make, make sure you use your backup camera. <laughs> if you have one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's like things like that. You know, there's, there's some people who are like, how could that happen? That would never happen to me. Like, we all do dumb things. Like, oh, we yeah. have a slip, 
you know, like, and it's like, I, I mean, I don't know how many times a day I'm like, why did I, why did I do that? Good thing oh, it wasn't yeah. too bad, you know, like, oh man, it's, it, everyone has those, like, those moments where you're just like facepalm, like, I can't believe I just did that. Oh, dude, the <laughs> worst one from a repair standpoint is people coming up to the window is in summer in Nashville, people leaving their, like, flat top acoustics in the Oh, corner. no. Dude, you will bake, dude, just so you know, hide glue like releases of like mm-hmm. 140 degrees your car gets up to that quick inside really quick it's, oh you'll bake I've seen necks actually slide out of the pocket I mean, and then you know sometimes a customer will lay down a car- guitar in the window mm-hmm. and it's like really hot like it had been in an oven mm-hmm. and you're just like oh man do you have any idea how bad that is it's like really bad you know temperature swings are murder on the, uh, especially acoustic guitars but especially like especially acoustic yeah, so, yeah. it's it's bad. I mean, that's there's a reason why most, or you know, a lot of places, uh, the good guitar shops are humidity controlled. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and they're, I know, and I know, they're totally. all temperature controlled. You know, like, totally. Uh, yeah. It's it's a it's a bad deal. I mean, um, yeah, my I I you know talk about them all the time because he's one of my good friends. But my buddy Leon from Pelican Noiseworks didn't realize that the humidity was a little bit off in his room. And until he went to pick up his his acoustic, and he was like, "What's going on with the neck?" Uh-huh. And he had to put it in the case with I can't remember if it was too dry or too humid. I think it was getting too dry. Oh, too dry. Yeah, yeah. and so he had to put it back in the case with like I could be saying that wrong. Either way, it was one of those things, and it ended up coming back. But it was like, uh oh, this is oh yeah, yeah, this is getting weird. Um, oh man, got it got it all everything crisis averted, but it was a little bit scary there for a minute. God, man, I have friends that do repair work in, like, Arizona, mm-hmm. and it gets dry there. It's, like, dry heat. Mm-hmm. It'll just, oh, man, it just dries out a guitar quickly. I guess they have a lot of issues with cracks and acoustics. That makes it's sense. It's a big deal there, yeah. It's yeah. not too bad in Nashville, like, not around here. It's, it's just the heat, you know? It's, it gets so hot. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, man, lack of humidity. <laughs> <laughs> That's not something you would think of. You know, I know. Like, uh, but wood, you know, it's or, it's an organic material. It uh, it changes with its environment. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So what you're saying is we should all move to like aluminum necks. Let's just I all mean, get electricals, dude. I want one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I really want one of those guitars. Yeah, they're pretty cool. They're really. They. I'd like. I've never played one, but they seem like something I would really dig. Dude, I've worked on several. They're pretty cool. Are they? Yeah. They're they're sweet. But um. Yeah, man. I've been getting a lot of, like, orders for... Because I do, like, the acrylic bodies. Mm-hmm. I've been getting a lot of, like, inquiries about, uh, you know, hey, can you do, like, an a la carte, like, acrylic body? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and when I ask him about, like, what, what is it for, it's almost always a, an electrical neck. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's all the spinoffs, too. I'm about to get one of those... Uh, oh, Robot Graves. I'm about to get one of his necks in. Oh, okay. So yeah, I that's right. I think I am. Dude, that's going to be cool. I want to check out one of the, like, the... I don't want to call him a copycat, but it's kind of the same thing, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's just cool. I mean, they're, they're really fun, dude. You should try one sometime. I'd love, I'd love to. Yeah. I have not, I don't, I've played, um, I've played, uh, some metal guitars here and there. I've played, uh, once upon a Normandy, which is like a local builder to me, but I don't remember. This was a long time ago. I don't remember the neck. I think the neck still would, but it was like a steel bodied, uh, guitar. Oh really? Um, if I could be, I could be wrong. I don't quote me on that, but I, I think that's how that was. I don't think I've played a metal necked guitar before. I need... They're they're different. Um, the necks are cold to mm-hmm. the hand. That's the that's the first thing you'll notice. Mm-hmm. The only thing I don't like about him, um, and I'm not being super critical, but I don't like how you can't adjust neck relief. Right. Because it's it's built like the, all these people are copying Bellino. Mm-hmm. That was the first guy that did the. The metal neck with the metal fretboard. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one. Uh, trying to think who was before then. There was another company before that. I forget what the name of that company was. Um, but anyway, you can't adjust neck relief in them, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. You know, when you're jumping string gauges, like aluminum does move. It does flex with, you know, the the string tension deflects the neck. Yeah. So you're going to need to counter that with a truss rod adjustment, maybe. So whether you play nines or thirteens on one, mm-hmm. there's a big difference in string tension yes so i have noticed that it's you know some people want more relief some people want less it's kind of a bummer not having like hey man i'd like you know i like 264 of relief at my sixth fret mm-hmm. you know and i'm slave to like one it's, yeah it's kind of a big deal 
you know. But man, I wish they could figure out how to put a truss rod, an adjustable truss rod, in one of those things. I wonder what the cool. I wonder what the reasoning is. I mean, an, I don't know. An adjustable truss. There's there's got to be something to it. I mean, I I have no idea. I don't know. But weird. that's my that's my only like thing, and that's just kind of a setup issue. It's like, and that's getting really picky. Every one of those necks I've picked up have been amazing, but mm-hmm. it would be nice to have that adjustment. But I again, didn't. I'm I'm really picky. About it, you know, <laughs> I, I I use them all the time. I love them. But I did not know that about them. So that's that's very interesting. Yeah. Well, we're getting down to um, you know with our combined multiple recordings here. Oh yeah. Uh, we're getting down <laughs> to that hour mark, uh, and I did want to give you a give you a. a uh, if you got a little more time, give you a quick lightning round for the Patreon subscribers. Sorry, everyone that's listening to this that's not a Patreon subscriber. Uh, <laughs> but uh, before I go, I would be in bad trouble if I didn't ask you like the most important question that I ask the guests. So it's it's pretty intense. I don't know if you're you are sitting down, so that's good. Uh-huh. Uh What kind of pizza do you like? What kind of pizza? Yeah, dude. I like the I like the Chicago deep dish. Oh, you're a deep dish man. Yeah, but man, I love the Giordano's. God, I wish they'd like franchise it. Just like <laughs> like outside of Chicago, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I have been to Brooklyn and Grimaldi's is legit. Dude, it that is. stuff is so good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I don't even know if you could consider deep dish a pizza. Really, it's more of like a pie. Yeah, it's like a, it's, <laughs> it's like a like, casserole almost. Yeah, it's even, like a, yeah. Even, even though I'm not supposed to say that word because it bugs bugs me. That's a another thing for other podcast listeners. <laughs> I'll explain that later. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't get the, the, that's not the answer I usually get. It's usually people like Italian or New York styles. It, it seems like Chicago is very, from Chicago natives, people, that's their, uh, that's their preferred. But I've never had a legit one, or at least not one, I've not been to Chicago, so I've never, I've just had imitators so i don't know right. if what i'm having is is what it actually is or not <laughs> but it looks like a lot of cheese it's a lot of cheese it's actually a lot of sauce mm-hmm. i think that's why i like them so much but uh, okay yeah but no the giordano's sticking to it all right final answer i like it i'll i'll hold you to it <laughs> all right well thanks for coming on dave and uh listeners as always folks good luck and good tones it was a real treat to get to talk to dave uh, in his home turf, I think that's always a gives it a different vibe than the usual remote recordings that I do. So it's always it's always fun to try to make those happen if and when I can do them. Hopefully, gonna try to do that a little more often these days. But for the most part, we're gonna stick with the recorded format uh, or the remote format rather. But anyway, I hope you guys liked that as much as I did. I could have went on for hours with him, and if you want just a little bit more, we did a little lightning round uh, that you can check out at the Tone Mob Patreon. There's a couple different levels, and uh, they each have different corresponding bonuses that you get with them. But for $5 a month, you get extra episodes every week, and those can be special guests like this lightning round with Dave, um, but usually it's... Mr. Justin Porter and I hanging out talking about gear in a little more uh, hosted type format. But I do try to get um, extra bonus episodes and content from the guests as they have time uh, when we record the main show. So if you go to tonemob.com slash Patreon, you can check all that out. And yeah, I really appreciate you guys listening. If you could do me a favor, the the best thing that you can do is to tell a friend. If you have a gear buddy or somebody that you um, that you know that might enjoy some of this buffoonery, if you could just tell them about it. Tell them about this episode. Uh, maybe tell the story of this this guitar that we, we talked about. Whatever the case may be, uh, if you could help spread the word, that helps immensely. Um, iTunes reviews and all that are great as well if you, if you are so inclined to leave one. So, There again, thank you very much for tuning in, and have a great week. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, 
go to tonemob.com slash stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.